0: Go ahead and open your Bibles if you want to, to the book of Isaiah chapter 12. We, through this series, this is the last in our series on the season of expectation. And we're going to be going through a little bit of Isaiah this morning. But as you're turning there, I want to talk about the idea of decades. You know, we think about decades, and usually decades, they are, um, you know, they're marked by a certain event, usually a series of events that makes us think, it typifies those years. For example, when you think of the 1940s, just think in terms of the 1940s, what comes to mind? And you don't even have to have gone through the 1940s, lived through it yourself, to think about World War II and you know the post-World War. It was a time of sorrow, it was a time of patriotism. It was a new era, really. So then you come to the 1950s. I know some of you are thinking, Elvis Presley, right? Well, we know that it was marked by much more than that. Mainly the World War II um, boom, right? Uh, the post-World War II boom. And the economic growth, it was the, the golden age of capitalism. It was also, we saw the rise of the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, we saw the rise of, of the Cold War as well. Then there was the 1960s, oh my, 1960s, it was just chaos. Uh, There was, you know, when you think of the 1960s, there was the Vietnam War, there was anti-war protests, there was a civil rights protest, political assassinations, the emerging of what's called as the generation gap, this, you know, this this real gap that came between, you know, parents and their children and their beliefs, their politics, uh, things of that sort. And it's considered one of the most chaotic and divisive uh, decades in the history of the world. Um, And we could keep going. We could look at the 70s. We could look at the 80s and the 90s. And all these things come to mind. And we look even at our own decade. You know, we're very young into the 2020s. And, you know, we're just on the verge of 2022. But it's, it's marked with all kinds of things, isn't it? Such as the political chaos and protests and riots, COVID. You have to throw in there this uh, historic decline of Christianity. Um, doors of churches are being closed. There's an there's a exodus of preachers who are leaving ministry. It's, it's unlike anything that I've seen personally. And so we look at all of these things and we say, wow, you know, some of these things are, are happy times and some of these things we'd say are not so happy times. Um, and in the time of Isaiah, during his decade, there were lots of things happening in the 8th century B.C., and it was not a very happy time in the lives of Israel, the people of God. In fact, things were at an all-time low. There was war, there was economic oppression, the uh, northern kingdom of of Israel it had been taken into captivity by the mighty Assyrians. The Assyrians were taking over the world at this particular point. And down here is Judah, and Judah, you know, looks like they're they're on that path as well. And what makes it even worse is the fact that that they knew this was punishment. It was judgment from God because of their the gross sins that they had committed against the almighty God. It was not what we call a happy time. But the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write these words. It's in poetic form for the most part here in chapter 12. And this is what he says. Let's begin in verse 2. He says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. With joy, oh, there's. listen to this word. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I love that metaphor. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for greet in your midst, uh, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And you wonder, these people who are going through all of this at this particular you, you're wondering if they're sitting there going, Really, Isaiah? Do you really believe this? How do you think the people in France would have felt if, you know, all of a sudden there's a preacher who rose up and he starts talking about this coming joy and, and hope while the Nazis are taking over France? You know, it just—it doesn't seem like it's a real time that you can think about happy thoughts. But here he's saying the joy is about this future coming, this future salvation that will arise. And if you go back to chapter 9, you see the first couple of verses. He, he doesn't mince words here. He says, look, it's going to be, there's going to be time of gloom and anguish and despair. But he says, you're going to see a light. A great light. In fact, that's what Joe talked about. The light that came in John 1. In fact, in verse 6 of this this particular verse, he tells us that the one who's coming, he's coming as a child. A child will be born. And in chapter 7, verse 14, it says his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joy is something that goes beyond are the happiness of a child as they experience opening a gift on Christmas morning. Biblical joy goes much deeper than that. It's a state of being that finds its source from God. It is able to continue to feel and experience this joy, as we're just saying, despite the circumstances that surround us. Israel, they found joy in anticipating the coming of the Messiah, the one who would come. A time of deliverance, a time of, of salvation. And let's find out, was it a time of joy? Let's, let's fast forward 700 years to the book of Luke chapter 2. Let's just, or Luke chapter 1 actually, let's start there. Luke chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 39. In those days Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. Wow, it's not even out yet. And even the other baby that's not out, I mean, it's joyful. Go, go to chapter 2. Go to chapter 2, to begin in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. But the angel said, look, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be Far, but will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And when it had been revealed him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the, Lord, uh, the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, the wells of salvation, right? That you have prepared in the presence of all people a light. There it is again. A light, not just for the Jews. He said for the Gentiles. A revelation for the Gentiles. And for the glory of all the people Israel. And you go on down into verse 36. And there's this prophetess by the name of Anna. And she all too, she too is able to see the Christ. And in verse 38 it says, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Folks, everything about the birth of Jesus and surrounding it is just this great joy. Except everything else going on in the world. You know, the Jews, they were bullied by the Roman soldiers, Mary and Joseph, they're poor. Jesus is born in an unsanitary, you know, stable. The shepherds, they're not exactly respected members of society. And yet here's the angel saying, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. You should have joy, even though all these other things that are going on in the world around you, this is great joy. You can have it despite those things. Hours before Jesus' crucifixion. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. It's like, what? I mean, are you really going to talk about joy as, as you know it's leading up to the cross? And, and then when, when when Christ was resurrected and the Spirit of God comes, and, and the It still wasn't a time of, you know, everything going well for the Christians. In fact, persecuted Christians, that just became a part of being in the movement. And yet they were told things like this in James chapter 1. It says, count it all joy, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And you may be thinking, really? In the time of of persecution, even, I, I I can have pure joy? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to us because the world is cruel. In fact, it can be very cruel. It's about perspective. What was happening in Isaiah and all the horrible things that were coming down upon God's people, it's about perspective even when jesus comes and still all the horrible things that happen including jesus himself being crucified on the cross he says there's joy because there's about perspective it is knowing that that our joy it flows from this deeply rooted conviction that god works all things together for good to those who love the lord It doesn't always seem that way, does it? It didn't seem that way, you know, after the fall of humanity. And here they are, they're being kicked out of the garden. All these terrible punishments are being laid down. It didn't seem like it for captivity for both the northern and southern kingdoms. It didn't seem like it in the day uh, that Jesus comes because, I mean, eventually even his own people crucify him. And yet, when we look at it, we see God was working all things together for good. Our joy is not dependent upon what's going on in the world, folks. It's not dependent upon our jobs. It's not dependent upon your success. It's not dependent even on our families. It doesn't depend on the gifts that you you will find or that you don't find underneath the Christmas tree this year. This is a joy that comes only from God himself. You know, advertisements, especially this time of year, Man, they, they really make us feel like, listen, if I want to be happy, this is what I need. And I need to do whatever it takes to get those things and to get those things for, for other people, for my family, even if it means I've got to go into major debt because that's, that's the way to true happiness and it's just false advertisement. True joy comes through the saving work of God. I mean, you read Luke chapter 15, You know, Jesus gives these three parables. One's about a sheep, another a coin, and then another one's a son. And all three of them were lost. But then they were found. And each one of those stories ends with this amazing joy and rejoicing. This partying because of restoration and forgiveness. And and Luke 15 also teaches us something that we can lose our joy. Just like the prodigal. That's the kind of thing that happens for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's because we stay away from our communities of faith. We stay away from our communities of of prayer. And and as we've done a moment ago in, in taking and sharing of the Lord's Supper, of these times that we are are with those who are of like-mindedness. You know, the birth of Jesus, if it doesn't teach us anything else, it teaches us that when there's good news, it needs to be shared. We need to share it with each other. We can lose our joy because we stop listening to God and we're living in sin. I've seen it over and over again with people and they're like, you know, I'm just not a very happy person. And then you find out there's some kind of sinfulness in their lives. Back in the day of coal miners, they, they used to keep canaries in the mines. And the reason is, canaries, their bodies are very sensitive um, to, uh, to air quality. And so when these invisible gases that silently kind of begin to fill up these tunnels, then if the canaries stopped singing, they knew that things were not going well. If they were singing, they knew everything was fine. But these canaries i mean if they get these gases they will suddenly they'll stop singing and eventually they'll just fall off onto to the bottom of the cage and i think the christian joy is like that i think it affects our singing i think it affects our joy i think that's what ephesians 5 18 and 19 really is about it's about how our life should be of singing and making melody in our hearts to the lord it's a spirit-filled thing Joy is an inheritance that we have as a child of God. Do you know that? But it's got to be guarded. Sometimes we have to guard it from religion. You know, if we begin, if we no longer are seeing that that our salvation is the one who came, instead of seeing that our salvation is a reward for our works, that works are huge. It's a big part of things because it's an expression of our joy. As to why we do this listen, if you showed up today and you're here because you love God and you love people, I promise you this you're going to have had a great time here today. I really believe that. But if you're here because you are afraid that you're, you know, gonna disappoint somebody, you're probably not enjoying things. It's a good indicator. Same thing with hospitality, being hospitable as Christians, you know, if you enjoy and you love people, you're going to enjoy, you know, bringing them in. Even if it means that your house gets a little messy, it's okay because you just love people. But but if you're doing it because, you know what, I feel pressured to be hospitable or because I'm trying to impress people, you're going to be, you're not going to enjoy it. It's going to be burdensome to you. the point that i want to make to you is simply this that we can choose joy yes. joy really is a choice that we make as christians and sometimes it's not so easy is it and you may say well how do i do that i think one thing is you got to have time with god you have to set up that time with god where you can sit and you can listen to his voice in his word where you can you can pray to him where you can stop and meditate on the story of Jesus. Another thing you can do is focus on what's good. Every day, we come in contact with things that are good and bad. And we can choose what we we want to focus on. And that's, again, that's not always easy. I'll be honest with you, I don't always do a real good job with that. But if I want to choose joy, then I've got to begin to look and see the positive things that are in my life. The same thing with this next thing, fill your day with joy. And what I mean by that, I mean just put joyful things in your path. Uh, It may be, it may be, uh, you know, a a group of songs, hymns that you enjoy singing and listening to. And you just belt it out, you know. Uh, know, I I love having Praise and Harmony TV. I, I don't get anything for this, by the way. But... It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's got all the praise and harmony songs on it. You can go on there and you can just listen to it at any time. You can just, and it, and it's, it's a great way to get your mind off the things of the world. I do this often. Get it off the world and it kind of gets it back onto the character of God. Uh, another thing you can do and fill in your, your day with joy is, is hang around people that are joyful. You know, If there's people that they're just negative, they just bring you down, maybe you need to think about some new friends. You say, well, I go to church with them. Well, you know what? Maybe we just need to have a talk with folks. Listen, we need to be joyful people. And we need to hang with those who are joyful. Here's something else you can do. Do something good for someone else. It really is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We are in the season of giving. I see it. I see it in my own kids. You know? I mean, I've got one. She's got a job now. See, You already know who she is because I've only got one sheep. But you know she's got a job. She has, She keeps begging us to open her gifts, because she just can't wait. You know, and and I think that's just part of of who what that nature is, and that we enjoy getting. Let me tell you, my daughter enjoys getting. But she really is in, into this giving thing, and it's a wonderful, blessed feeling um, to be able to do that. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to have times of sorrow, because we are. The Bible says we're going to have times of sorrow. Our world is cruel, but believers know that these times are temporary. Again, Jesus is going to the cross, and he says something like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. But then listen to what he says. You will be sorrowful. Okay, you're going to have times of sorrow. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. Because sorrow is temporary. Joy is going to be everlasting. And the things that you experience in your life, whether it's at your job or whether it's with your family or whatever it may be that's out there, those things are not the end. They are simply moments that are eventually going to give way to joy. It's just we've got to kind of get our mind there at some point. And kind of push through some of those things. Regardless of what happens in Washington, D.C., regardless of what happens in our homes, we have a hope that can never perish or fade or spoil or or perish. It is kept in heaven for us. That's what Peter tells us. Now, it's easy to be filled with joy this time of year for a lot of folks. Man, we are singing these songs, joy to the world, the Lord has come. We're hearing these the angelic proclamation, you know, this of 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 good news of great joy, and, and you know, people are just happier. But here's the thing: joy is not seasonal. It's not a situational thing. It is a response to what God has already done. And what God says he's going to do. Now, we live on this side of Bethlehem, right? We have seen the wells of salvation that have come. And we have drawn from them. But those in the time of Isaiah, when he writes this. They had not seen it. And and so they had to strain to look forward in faith. That the one. Who is coming is going to come and things are going to change in every way but we are similar to them in that Jesus is coming again and we have to continue in our times of despair and our times of darkness and our times when we're sorrowful we have to continue sometimes we have to strain in faith as we look forward To his coming again. But here's the thing. Jesus will finish what he started. He will. We don't have to despair. And that's why we read things like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, is that enough? Well, Paul says no. Rejoice. I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone why can we rejoice? What does he say? The Lord is at hand. He's coming. Our current joy is only a shadow of what awaits us. It was Saint Augustine who said, this time, when he comes, it will that we will shall no longer drink of we will no longer oops, drink the milk of hope. But we shall feed on the reality itself. So we can sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. But we can also sing, Joy to the world, because he's coming again. At Christmas, as it approaches, we may well feel feelings of sadness. And for some of you, for good reason. But I'm asking you to have courage to rejoice. In God to rejoice in his presence to rejoice in his gift of salvation to rejoice in his ways and in his coming let's pray Father we come to you this day and we just thank you and we give you praise and honor for all things Father we thank you for your son who came into our world who came the most, in in the humblest of ways possible. And he came and he died for us. And Father, we just thank you for the salvation that we have right now, in this very moment, because of your son. And Father, we look forward to the day that he comes again. We look forward, Father, for the day when... All the evil and the darkness and the sorrow of this world will finally be pushed out and finally have that completed, the completion of what your son has done for us. Father, I pray for those who may be here and they're trying to make that decision in their life. Father, I just pray that you help them to realize what, a wonderful thing it is that you're giving us. Father, I pray that if we can be used as your people, use us as your instruments. And I pray for those, Father, that may be here and, and they've lost their joy for whatever reason. Father, help them to find it again in you. Father, we're so grateful for this focus all around the world Of the fact that your son has come. That he came. And he lived in the flesh. So Father we just say all of these things. In the name of your son Jesus Christ. Amen.